to this webinar and a podcast from the Centre for Christianity in Society. Um, we are today we will be concluding our mini series that has been entitled Conversations on COVID and we will be doing so by talking to two women who have been in the forefront in the fight against poverty, both at a regional level and at a global level. So today I'm delighted to introduce you to Ruth Koch and to Adele Diamond and I'm going to allow each of these women to introduce themselves to you and give you a brief outline of what their organizations entail. So we'll start with you Ruth. Thanks Rachel. So um, as you said my name is Ruth Koch. I'm the Northern Ireland Director at Tear Fund. Um, Tear Fund is a, international, a Christian International Relief and Development Agency. We've been around for 50 years um, we follow Jesus where the need is greatest and we work through local churches to respond to um, crises and to help people who are living in poverty. Um, and we do that in, uh, like I said, 50 countries, responding to disasters as well as doing long-term development work. And we've got um, great support here in Northern Ireland. Brilliant. And yourself, Adele? Okay, thanks Rachel. Hi, my name is Adele Diamond. I am a food bank manager for the South West Belfast Food Bank. So that's a Trussell Trust Food Bank. Um, we were born out of the Colin Glen Christian Fellowship. We're a small fellowship. So we, we set up the food bank five years ago and that comes under the auspice of the Trussell Trust, which is a Christian organization. So we felt there was a need in the area to provide those who were struggling financially with, with food. Um, so food poverty a big thing um, it's out there and we decided that um, what better way to show um, some love and compassion and uh, in a practical way um, so we, we set up we decided to set up the food bank um, which has been up and running now for nearly five years um, so that's it very good very good I think a lot of people forget the poverty is on our doorstep we tend mm -hmm. to think of poverty as out there away from us the other side of the world and we can become very blind to the poverty that is just next door so it's wonderful work that you all have been doing and I'm sure that work hasn't been made any easier by the COVID crisis when all of us have been told to shut our doors to keep ourselves safe um, to prevent the spread of infection and yet this is the very time when the need has been greatest and that I'm sure has created a real dilemma for you and a real tension um, and I'm sure I would love to know I'm sure our listeners would love to know sort of how you have navigated that so um, Ruth what challenges has the COVID crisis specifically brought to your organization? Probably quite a few um, so obviously everybody in the UK has been encouraged to work from home, close their offices, but um, the lockdown isn't just here in the UK or in Europe, it's global. Um, and so there are many countries that we're working in who have had even more extreme lockdowns than the ones that we have experienced. Um, and so many of our officers, many of our partners, many of our staff in country have had to work out what it looks like to do their day-to-day -day work working from home. And then also what it looks like to do what we would call an emergency response and how to respond to a, um, a global like emergency and how that relates to people's different contexts and the lockdown and the rules that they're experiencing in their countries. And so normally when there's an emergency, we might have a natural disaster and it might be an earthquake or a tsunami. And it might be specific to one, two or three countries. But here, um, the impact of 
the pandemic is global and um, it's impacting probably nearly all the countries that we're working in. And so it means that we're in kind of emergency response mode. We're changing our projects. Our partners are doing extra work in over 30 countries. Um, and so that's a huge amount of work to do as an organization to negotiate what an emergency response looks like in all those countries. So um, it's been, we first started by um, really focusing on what we know and working with our church networks and asking our church-based partners to share with their local churches some really key messages that it was important to get out as soon as possible about the symptoms of coronavirus, about um, the impact, what you need to do to try and keep safe, and also encouraging church leaders and churches to pray um, for the crisis. And so we started with that and we've reached millions of people through radio messages through local churches sharing that information whether that's on whatsapp or whether that's literally physically printing posters and putting them up around their community um, but then we've had to respond as well to um, encourage people to um, practice good uh, adequate hygiene and so imagine if you live in a refugee camp mm. you don't have access to clean running water there's not very much space how do you do social distancing in a refugee camp um, and how do you get access if you're unable to earn money or go out to be able to get soap to be able to get the things that you need to keep clean so we've been distributing hygiene kits teaching people um, encouraging people to wash their hands setting up hand washing stations and then we've also been working in places where people have no access to clean water and encouraging them to get to get that access so there's a wonderful thing called a tippy tap which is a easy way to set up a tap in a community with just one like jerry can like big plastic container of water and you set it up so you don't have to touch anything and say so the water runs freely um, and it enables everybody in that community to be able to wash their hands so we've been encouraging and teaching people how to do tippy taps and then there are people who are unable to go out and work and so if you're living in poverty if you're a day laborer and you're trying to earn money every day if you can't go out and earn that money and provide for your family you have to make a choice between protecting yourself and your health by not going out or providing for your family and avoiding your family starving and so we've been trying to ensure that we can distribute food to those who are most vulnerable in communities and equipping church leaders to be able to do that um, in areas to help people who um, literally have no food and no ability to be able to and that, um, make money to get that food. So it's been a huge response and a huge change to what we've been doing, but we're also trying to continue our existing work as well, because there are some countries that aren't in lockdown. So it's been a logistical uh, challenge, and then never mind the fact our Belfast office is closed and us as a team are trying to do our work with churches where churches aren't in the building anymore. Um, but it has been, um, we've seen God's faithfulness um, and people's generosity and um, we're just really inspired that in over 30 countries we're able to respond and to help those people who are most vulnerable and see the local church step up to be able to do that. Yes, and yes, I'm sure you really feel the impact of these small actions, but it's the cumulative effect, you know, one person does a few small things, but when everybody's pulling on board, you start to see God behind the huge change. Adele, I'm sure you have many stories that you could tell us as well, but would love to hear what challenges has COVID brought to yourselves and um, to your organization? 
Well, obviously, when COVID hit, we are a food, as a food bank, we would welcome clients into the building and we used a very tactile approach with clients. Um, we, you know, it was a face-to-face uh, you know, ministry and we would welcome clients in and sit them down and chat with them and, and sometimes, you know, if appropriate, even embrace clients and comfort them, you know, in a tactile way. So obviously that had all gone with COVID. Um, a lot of food banks had to close down. Um, we were really fortunate and blessed that um, we were in a shared building and we had um, good biosecurity in place and we were able to uh, continue the food bank, albeit without the public coming in. So the challenge was how do we do food bank and not you know, bring the clients in and, and see them? And obviously, as Ruth had mentioned, some of the practicalities and logistics of that were you know, how do we set up food bank, get food to those in need and within the community and, and get it to them without, you know, public, you know, kind of seeing them face to face. So we, we had to get all hands on deck, basically. Um, <laughs> we, we had to have some, a few joinery experts to um, access another end of the building where we could make a perspex, uh, purpose-built hatch where we could fling open a fire escape door so we could get a long table out put the perspex hatch over and push out the wooden box with the food in it so that it would be making it safe for both volunteering clients. And um, this was done by two volunteers um, way into the, the, the late night hours, you know, and this was set up overnight. Um, and, you know, obviously it's not the way I like to do food bank. Um, and that, that bit kind of stressed me slightly that I wasn't able to actually physically see um, the clients or the families. But um, we were ever so glad to be able to get the fit out to them, you know. So it was making the volunteers safe and both the clients. Um, so lots of things had to be done. We had to um, obviously up our game in terms of our social distancing. Um, you know, our volunteers, half of our volunteers had to leave um, due to shielding or for other reasons. So we had to um, do a big recruitment drive on that and get some other uh, volunteers on board. And, and I have to say, the, the churches and the communities just absolutely rallied and um, we were up and running with uh, new volunteers and um, with a great spirit, uh, you know, and a great nature um, for helping those in need. So gone was the personal touch really. Um, and for me, that was um, a bit distressing, but as Ruth had mentioned, with a lot of prayer going on in the background and, you know, seeking, you know, God's advice and, you know, how do we move forward, you know, because he's central to everything, you know, we're central to this ministry, central to our lives, you know, God, how do we move forward? And he gave us the answers, you know, um, he provided the answers, he provided the blessings, and boy, did, did we really, you know, we have, we have many blessings, we have food in abundance, we have finance in abundance, people were just giving, and they still are, and um, so, and we have giving of their time, um, of their finances and, and of, of food donations as well. So we've been really blessed. So we've been able to, to set up food bank and now we have introduced delivery models as well. So we were able to deliver those food parcels out um, to those in need without the clients having to come. And I mean, they were coming and speaking to me through a glass door, which really isn't, it, it wasn't a nice way to do food bank, but um, some clients did have to come, unfortunately. Um, at that time. So now that with the delivery model in place, up and running, we're able to, to get those food parcels out to those in need. And that's been going really well. It's a completely different way of doing food bank, but 
when you think you're going in one direction, God stops you in your tracks and says, you know, you know something, we need to take you in this direction now. And this is what you're going to need to run with here, you know? And so that's, that's, that's just how it's been at the moment. I mean, our referrals have obviously increased um, due to the pandemic, you know, we're, we've moved, you know, five, six, seven, eight, maybe nine, 10 times uh, a week increase in referrals. You're saying going from maybe 20 a week to 100 deliveries going out per week. So that's a massive increase, you know, uh, of, of, it's great. We know that the foods go into those in need, that people are getting fed. Um, but because of the pandemic, obviously, you know, some people are out of work and children are home from school, children need fed, you know, mums and dads are, you know, on low income, etc. So um, all of those things have had a massive impact, um, you know, all in all. But, but, you know, we're just so blessed to be able to be continuing. As I said, some of our, you know, neighbouring food banks haven't been able to meet the public or, or to, to keep going. So we're just, we're just glad that we've been able to keep going. So. Yeah, I mean, I had heard that food banks were struggling and certainly that, that's what I had thought, you know, that during this time food banks were struggling. Um, and the fact as well, it was so difficult for a while to get food, even just as a normal able-bodied person to have to queue for so long and you're sort of just trying to meet your own family's needs to have people that have that vision mm-hmm. again to be able to think beyond and past themselves to supply food banks is amazing. Um, and Absolutely. so this both of you have, have referenced God and, and your faith and the way God has blessed you and led you in this time, which brings us very neatly into my second question, which is just I'd love if you could share with us a little bit about how your faith does impact and inform what you do. Um, I'm very aware that maybe for some of your organizations, there's a public faith and maybe you can't express just as really your faith and what motivates you. But um, again, we'll come back to you. Um, Just how does your personal faith in Christ impact and inform what you do? So as a, um, I guess my relationship with Jesus means that um, what what I want to do is to be able to be salt and light. Um, and I think that working for Tear Fund enables me to do that because I get to see um, the thing that really inspires me is the local church. So it's great hearing Adele about how um, one local church was able to set up a food bank and respond to the needs in its community. And I think that that's just amazing that um, that God has put us here in these gathered communities where, where we're able to impact those people living around us. Um, and share his love um, and share the good news and um, to be able to look after people both spiritually and um, physically as well Um, and so at this time when things are really difficult um, sometimes when it feels like things can be really dark especially at the beginning of lockdown it just felt uh, quite oppressive and quite difficult everybody was really adjusting to these changes Um, and not just me but my whole team just meant we were able to to pray together to trust in God to pray for one another um, and to seek his face really because without that I think I would have been totally overwhelmed and I can imagine those who don't have a faith would feel the same that um, this huge kind of um, huge changes are happening and you question who is in control yet we know that the father is in control and we can trust him and we can come to him with our our prayers and our requests um and so 
um, being part of an organization that enables us to do that, that enables us to pray. One of the first few weeks of lockdown, we had what we call a Sabbath day, whereas we come together and pray as an organization. And that was just so powerful for us to pray for one another, to pray for people in completely different countries and to hear the stories of what they're doing. Um, and so I think that helps to know that not only are we outworking our faith through our, our jobs, but also we're equipping churches globally who might not have the resources to be able to do things. Um, we're equipping them to be able to meet the needs of their communities as well, particularly in places where there is no, you know, there is no healthcare system, there is no NHS, um, there is very little infrastructure. Um, and so being put in lockdown in a place like that or uh, catching COVID-19 and not being able to go to hospital or being able to be put on a ventilator because there is only one ventilator per however many thousands of people um, is to be able to have the church there at the forefront of that and um, being Jesus's hands and feet on this earth um, I think is really important so at this time I think my faith has enabled me to, to spur me on to continue what we're doing and to also know that there are people who have no faith and if we can be good news to them and if we can show a, just a tiny bit of God's glory to them, then that's amazing. Um, so it feels like a privilege to be able to work for an organisation like Tiffund at this time um, and to be able to just feel like practically we're, I'm able to do something every day um, to help people globally. It's wonderful, wonderful. Thank you, Adele. Mm -hmm. Oh, well. Um, God is central to everything. I mean, God is central to everything I do in my life in a personal capacity as much as anything uh, in a work capacity and, and also, you know, uh, uh, the head, you know, of, of, of the church and as a small fellowship. Um, we've always had that support for the Bank ministry. We've always had a good, you know, prayer support and good ministry support, a good backing and, you know, but during COVID, you know, and, and especially in the beginning stages where we were kind of felt, we almost felt as if we were floundering, but, but you know, we weren't, but we almost felt that way. I suppose everyone did, but um, it was really important that we kept our focus and our eyes upon Jesus, you know, you know, Jesus, how do we do this? How do we, you know, get through this? How do we practically change Good Bank and, and all the other organizations that needed to adapt as well, you know, and, and how do we do this? So. There, there was lots of prayer, you know, not just ourselves, but other churches that have been supporting us and still support us to this very day and have supported us from right from the beginning. And you could feel that because I don't know, but I can feel prayer. You know, you can see the results of prayer. You can feel it, so the ramifications of it. And it's actually a beautiful thing to watch because when you personally think, you know, personally for me, I was saying, oh, how, how, am I, how are we going to do this? You know, I was doubting you know, myself, but really I was doubting, I shouldn't have doubted God, but really, you know, I was God and you know, God was saying, look, I'm in control, I'm sovereign, you know, I am in control of this. Let me just take you this way and, and just go with it. And so it was really about that faith, you know, um, that faith in Christ, you know, that focus, refocusing, I suppose you could say, um, you know, refocusing everything. And, and giving everything to him as well and giving over to him you know because there was a lot of stress involved in this you know there was sleepless nights and how are we going to get fit out to those in need and oh how are we going to keep the bank open and 
and there was a lot of sleepless nights and um, but but you know giving that to God was an absolute blessing and an absolute stress reliever and knowing that we had that really good prayer support um, as well not just from our church but from the wider community and, and the churches that, that have been supporting us as well and um, simply you know not just in my personal life I mean and obviously by personal life I can't do anything without God we cannot do feedback ministry without the Lord Jesus being central to all of that so it's really it's an, it's the integral part it's the center and it's the head of everything so you know I can gush about it all day but <laughs> I'll not I'll not but I mean but that's what makes it dynamic doesn't it you know you've got a, you've got Jesus Christ at the center of that and that means that it can it's just such a dynamic living body for both of you. Uh, Ruth, Adele has talked quite a lot about the support of the churches in the local area, how they really responded and they sort of stepped up to the mark. What's your experience of that? Have Christians been supportive um, during the pandemic um, in response to Tear Fund? Have you, would you like to share some thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, it's been amazing, people's generosity and um, care and support. So I think at a time where um, we're personally, we were really where we're personally impacted, like we we're all working from home, trying to work out how to do our work and everyone else is having the same, either having to work from home, juggling childcare, trying to find food shops, um, trying to keep safe or you're a key worker and you're out there, um, you're having to go to work every day in this really kind of strange environment, don all the PPE, et cetera. Um, and so it was um, probably one of the first times where um, Tear Fund has been responding to a crisis that is also happening at home. Um, and so it's been amazing that in light of that, Christians and churches in Northern Ireland have not forgotten their global neighbors. And, um, you know, when we've been speaking to church leaders, we've been having a conversation about how they've adjusted their church. What does church look like for them now? But then at the same time, they've been saying to us, oh, tell us how it's going. How does, you know, how is it impacting people in India? How is it working in the Democratic Republic of Congo? How are you able to survive as an organization and as a charity? Um, and I think that's one of the things that um, obviously We've seen a change in our um, in our giving because people's personal lives have been impacted and because churches no longer gather together, they're not able to support us in the same way. But those who have been able to continue support us have been really generous and their prayer support um, and their kind of commitment to the, uh, to the work that we're doing has just been really amazing. I've been blown away time by time again people have contacted us and said I wanted to give to you because I felt stirred that um, I can imagine that this is a difficult time a lot of our events were cancelled things that we would normally do to fundraise or to encourage prayer support um, and people proactively have come to us which has been amazing um, and we had something called tear fund live um, I think it was back in May um, which is every Wednesday as an organization we pray together um, globally and we do this online and um, we basically tipped it on its head and made it um, a, a public event for supporters to join and to pray with us. And it was one of the highlights of um, my time in lockdown has been seeing all the names of people I recognize, all our supporters, church leaders and people who were commenting and saying, we're praying for 
um, Head Davi, who's our country director in the DRC, or we're praying for Nigel Harris, our CEO, and, and joining together and praying and worshiping together was just really amazing. And so it's there's been great things where you see the generosity of churches and individuals. Um, and so it's good to know that um, even though things have changed for people personally, they're still able to be generous. And um, I think that's a real testament to um, to the church in Northern Ireland. Thank you. And Adele, I know you had mentioned that there, you know, in response to the COVID, that there were sort of more food banks being set up to meet the need. What future do you see for those food banks just generally in Northern Ireland? Um, well, as I say, during the COVID, some food banks had to actually close their doors to the to the to their clients. But um, now that, that the pandemic is, is easing and restrictions are are, are lessening, um, probably um, that will change for, for those food banks will be able to, to operate, you know, ordinarily again. But I, I truly believe that there's going to be more of a need for food banks um, once the pandemic um, recedes. I mean, there's going to be people, there are, we know locally within our own community that there have been many redundancies. That's happened to us personally as a family as well. Um, so there's a lot of need out there for food banks and that need was already increasing before COVID hit anyway as a result of, of different things of benefit and welfare reform. So um, now we're seeing more of an increase probably now once this, uh, the pandemic has, has receded we will see more people in need and at the, the minute our referrals are levelling out whereas there had been a big upsurge at the start of the pandemic but now we're, we're actually, it's kind of the calm before the storm almost, but we're, we're ready now to see a bit of an upsurge in those referrals and we're just kind of waiting on it, you know. But but I have to say, as Ruth had mentioned about, um, you know, local church help, we, we have had local church help from the, the setup of this food bank, not just our own um, small uh, Christian ministry and Colin Glenn Christian Fellowship, but we've also had um, great um, response um, of our local Christian churches, you know, who have come on board with volunteering. Um, and, and even when food couldn't be accessed as much as it could, you know, when the pandemics hit and people were panic buying, our donations actually went down because um, there weren't as many people being able to give. You know, you couldn't bulk buy, you couldn't buy three of this and four of that. So our donations went down. And, but, but, but amazingly, um, our local churches, a lot of them were able to access, you know, this food. So our donations kept on coming in, you know, albeit um, kind of fear, um, but not just the local churches. I have to say that our, our general local community has rallied as well, you know, sports clubs and, and, and different community organizations have been absolutely fantastic. So I do have to, to mention those, um, but yes, I have to say really good, strong support from everyone but yes I can say that food banks will be needed more which is really unfortunate so sad mm. um but I know God has us here um for a reason and and hopefully you know we can ease some of that um burden for those and hopefully praying that we can actually welcome clients once more because it's that whole seeing them that's the important thing for me and for our volunteers we need to see them we need to be able to have that opportunity to, 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 to be tactile with them again, you know, maybe a comforting embrace, maybe shaking their hand, you know, and just generally welcoming them, you know, into the, the environment. Um, it's a nice safe environment for them and it's different and um, it's away from their worries just for some time. But um, 
I would just pray um, that that can, can happen sooner rather than later. But at the minute, God has us here and, and he's saying, you know, we have to deal with this at the minute. So, uh, <laughs> so we'll just keep going. <laughs> yes, and he's put both of your organizations there prior to COVID so that you can be the hands and feet during the this time. But I know, Adele, I mean, in, in any time you see somebody suffering, your just natural reaction is just to want to put oh, your hands around them, exactly. you know, comforting, sort of pat on the shoulder. And it's so hard when you can't do that. So, so hard. Well, thank you both for your contributions today. It's been really lovely to talk to you. I've learned a lot, so I'm sure that our listeners will. But that's all we have time for today. But if you would like to access more of our resources, you can go to www.christianityinsociety.org. And there you will find resources um, on a range of different topics, such as redundancy, which we talked about. Um, touched on as well evangelism during the covid crisis where is god in suffering obviously a big question that a lot of people have and will be struggling with in the days to come so i just want to thank you again adele and ruth it has been really really interesting lovely to talk to you and um, i'm sure that our listeners will be greatly blessed in hearing what you had to say thank you thank you bye ruth bye rachel bye, bye. bye.